L. David Hessler here to thank you for listening to Bad Notes. This week's middle of the episode mixtape guest is Forming the Void with their song Plumes. Find more of their work at formingthevoid.bandcamp.com and follow them on Facebook at Forming the Void. Remember to stick around until the end of the show to hear a special message from Orb Industries, the strange sponsor behind Bad Notes. In 1996, after nearly two decades spent touring the American Midwest with his heavy metal band Starfed, cult guitar hero Orrin Moon disappeared without a trace. Despite dozens of distraught fans, the music industry barely noticed his absence. While law enforcement assumed Moon had simply fled the country or joined a religious commune, for nearly two more decades, the true story went untold. Then, in early 2016, a music journalist for National Independent Radio received an unmarked package that contained over 200 dated microcassettes with a handwritten letter that read, This is the story of Orrin Moon. He was an amazing musician, a loving father, and the best demon slayer the world never knew. Notes, created by L. David Hessler, Part 14. for bringing us here. Maybe Alonzo was too. As far as I was concerned, they could both go to hell. At least, that's what I thought when Wicked Ginny's shepherds pulled me out of the shipping container. They offered no apologies or explanations. They just led me to Wicked Ginny's ruined church like nothing had happened. Like I hadn't just faced off with Murmur. Turns out, the church was the very same building where she became a vampire years earlier. It didn't look like a church anymore, though. Even from outside, I could tell the chapel had been converted into some kind of greenhouse filled with hundreds of plants. The walls and ceiling had been replaced by glass and sheets of plastic. As we entered the first floor of the building, it was clear that this wasn't just a home for flowers and houseplants. 
Half the vegetation was weed, too, neatly arranged and flourishing in the moonlight. The shepherds led me down a narrow set of stairs to the basement, which seemed to serve as Jenny's personal living quarters. It was one large and open space, like an underground loft apartment with this ornate table sitting in the middle of everything. It looked like a set piece from some kind of bohemian Shakespeare revival. The only light came from a set of candles attached to the ancient chandelier above the table. It threw dancing shadows in all directions. Though they were hard to see in the flickering light, the walls of the basement were adorned with prints of Wicked Jenny's own album art and promotional photography. Sitting at the table already were Mel and Pony, unharmed and surprised to see me. One of the female shepherds put a platter of fruit on the table and pointed at it, her empty eye sockets staring directly at me. Sit here and eat, she said. Jenny, will meet with you momentarily. Mel sat to my left, and Pony was on my right. We hadn't spoken since they put me in that shipping container, and I was still pissed at Pony for bringing us here in the first place. And there was no way I'd even touch that fruit. I waited for the shepherd to leave the room, and then glared at Pony. What the hell did you get us into, you son of a bitch? I asked him. His eyes went wide and he shook his head. Do you have any idea what I just went through in there? Do you know what I heard? Mel's hand clutched at my shoulder, but I ignored her. Are we in danger? I asked him again, slamming my fist on the table. Damn it, Pony, are we in danger? No, Mel said, this time grabbing my head with both hands and forcing me to look at her. She stared at me, and it seemed like the first time I'd actually looked into her eyes in days. We're not in danger, she said. Not while we're here. Pony did good bringing us here, okay? He did the right thing. I felt the sneer on my face soften, but the anger was still raging just below the surface like a hidden undertow. She talked to me while you were in the box, Mel said. Uh, she didn't tell me everything, but I trust her the same way I trust Pony. She knew my dad, man. She could have killed you, I said. I have no reason to kill any of you. Wicked Jenny entered the basement from the same steps we'd used, gliding out of the shadows and into the flickering candlelight. She'd cleaned herself since our initial meeting and was now draped in a sheer robe with blood-red boxer shorts underneath. She held a half-filled wine glass in one hand. I was positive the beverage wasn't wine. She took a long and unflattering draw from the glass. Closing her eyes, she smiled and savored the flavor of whatever she'd just poured down her gullet. The contents coated her teeth in a deep and unnerving red that made my stomach tighten. My adrenaline was still surging, and I felt no need for pleasantries. What the hell happened to me in that shipping container, I asked her. She carefully sat at the opposite end of the table from us, swirling her glass with the subtlety of a seasoned connoisseur, and then she plucked a handful of grapes from the fruit platter. Alonzo isn't dead yet, she said, 
ignoring my question altogether and glancing at Pony before directing her attention back to us. She threw a grape into her mouth and smiled. But I suppose more importantly, neither is your daddy.
For a few moments, I felt ashamed of my own anger about the experience inside the shipping container. None of this was really about me, anyway. It was about Mel's dad, finding him, making sure he was alive. It was about helping Mel. But, goddammit, I wanted to know what was going on in my own head, too. How do you know? I asked her. I mean, how do you know any of this? Why should we believe you? The shepherds, Mel said, glancing at Jenny for approval. God, it was like they'd become best friends in the mere hours I'd been locked out of sight. Jenny nodded like a teacher who's heard the correct answer, and Mel continued. They're psychic or something, right? Something, Jenny said. Remove a vampire's eyes and its other senses grow supernaturally keener. They pick up on the things you can't sense. The shepherds guard ruddy heights, keep us aware of the other monsters beyond the wall, as it were. They sensed something dark on you as soon as Pony pulled into the parking lot at the amphitheater. So, we decided you needed a cleanse. I do apologize for the forward nature of our operations, but I assure you, it was for your own good. But what was it? I asked her. I spoke to something in that box. I mean, I did battle with something that called itself Murmur. What was it? It's like a virus from the other side, from the far. Jenny said. I remembered Alonzo warning me about inhaling the smoke as we burnt Murmur's amputated finger on the roadside grill. It gets in your head and twists you up, feeds on your emotions, makes you get up to no good. That's why I put you in the box by yourself. It's safer for everyone. Jenny took another sip from her wine glass. A religious person might call it possession. I call the damn thing a parasite, and trust me, I know a thing or two about bloodsuckers. So now what? Mel asked. Is he okay? I mean, he's going to be normal? That's relative, Jenny said. She finished her beverage and leaned forward over the edge of the table. The candles cast shadows below her eyes, giving her face the appearance of a skull floating in the dark. She whispered, My shepherds are picking up unusual amounts of activity associated with the far. And it's because of you, boy. You're connected to it now. It's a part of you, whether you like it or not. My mouth had gone bone dry. I shifted my gaze from Jenny to Mel. The expression on her face was some combination of regret and fear. You're a conduit now, Jenny said. Everyone has a purpose, even in the night crowd. Maybe especially in the night crowd. And thanks to Alonzo, we now know your purpose. She lowered her head. Now that we seem to be on the same page, 
I think we can get down to the business Orin Moon and Alonzo were probably eager to accomplish. She wiped remnants of the red beverage from the corners of her mouth before folding her hands together on the table before her. She stared at Mel. Where is the guitar your father gave you? I didn't know why Ginny was interested in Mel's axe. It was just an old replica with a poorly stenciled image of a rose stem wrapped intricately around the blade of a knife. She had told me her dad bought it at a garage sale years ago. What are you talking about? Mel asked. I know it's not in your possession any longer, Ginny said. You got secrets of your own, girl. Time to start telling the truth. What did you do with your daddy's guitar? Mel was silent for several moments, staring at the table and then at her empty hands and then at me like I might be able to help. But I had no idea. When we were packing in her apartment, she told me all her instruments were in her band's van, that it'd be too much trouble to get them. Why would she have lied to me? She took a deep breath. I sold it, she said. I sold the damn thing at a pawn shop because my dad pissed me off. Wicked Ginny's smile faltered, and a coldness settled into her face. I'd heard of people staring daggers and never knew what it meant until that moment. Well, that won't do, girl, Wicked Ginny said. That won't do at all. Thanks again for listening to Bad Notes, written and produced by me, L. David Hessler. If you like this story, you can get more of my books and original music at ldavidhessler.com. You can also help support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash ldavidhessler or by leaving an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This episode's mixtape guest is Forming the Void. Get more music at formingthevoid.bandcamp.com and stay in touch on Facebook at Forming the Void. Listen to a new season of my other project, the B-Mega Podcast, where I collaborate with one of my oldest friends to make original superheroes each episode. Get previous installments and new updates at megatoncitynews.com. And now, a special message from Orb Industries. Wait, I, I swear there was copy here before, but but now there's there's nothing. The paper, it, the paper's just completely blank except for a line here at the the bottom. I I am I am so sorry. This is so unprofessional. I I feel like I'm losing my mind. 
Here, here it is. The line at the bottom, it says... This is weird. It says, The era of the blade is upon us. Beware the... Beware the noise bastard? What the hell does that mean? What the hell does that mean? <laughs>